Welcome to the Air Health, Our Health podcast. I'm Erica, a lung and ICU doctor. Every day in my ICU and clinic, I see patients who are there from breathing unhealthy air. And I started Air Health, Our Health to focus more upstream on the importance of healthy air for healthy people and healthy economies. Thanks for joining me. Welcome back to season three of Air Health, Our Health. I hope you had a wonderful summer. I tried to escape into nature as many times as I could with my family. My summer was still full of reminders of the importance of breathing healthy air and working to combat climate change. I actually ended up having to flee a wildfire in the middle of the night with my family, so the risks of climate change and wildfires are obviously increasingly front of mind. And I was delighted to record a podcast episode over the summer with a Native American wildland firefighter who can speak to the practice of controlled burns, long practiced by Native communities, as well as to the American Lung Association's report on controlled burns and their health impacts and how to balance competing risks. As the summer begins to come to a close and everyone is out working on their lawns and heading into the fall, I will also be releasing an episode on gas-powered leaf blowers and other gas-powered lawn equipment in general and their health impacts from both a noise and air pollution standpoint. As in so many things with poor air quality, the health impacts of these fall disproportionately on historically excluded and disadvantaged communities. I am also working to increase my educational and advocacy activities and will likely be scaling back to around one podcast episode per month. I plan to release them on the first Monday of the month and will of course announce them on Facebook and Instagram and in the blog feed so you don't miss any. I may also include other bonus episodes at times and will be sure to let you know about them as well. Today, I want to focus on the back-to-school season and a very important campaign for parents of middle and high school children on how to have a conversation about vaping and e-cigarettes. I have to say I was surprised last spring to get a page from Children's Emergency Department for a teenager who required a lung biopsy procedure that kids' lung doctors do not usually do. I have to say I have not ever had to perform this procedure on someone so young, but it was for a teen whose lungs had had severe damage from e-cigarette use and vaping. The damage was so extensive that it almost appeared like cancer. Those of you who listen to this podcast know that I am a strong advocate for raising the tobacco purchase age to 21, as well as tobacco retail licensing to ensure that people adhere to those age targets. However, we all know that even with the tobacco purchase age of 18, kids are still getting their hands on nicotine. The child I met this spring was under 18, and when I asked how they were able to purchase these devices that should be illegal to sell to those under 21, they told me they were able to buy them easily at corner stores. This individual required hospitalization for several days, additional testing, scans, and more. This will likely end up costing their family significantly in terms of healthcare expenses and will have an unknown future effect on their long-term health. It also costs all of us in terms of increased healthcare expenditures and our employees to pay for increasing healthcare premiums and lifelong disease, potentially. As a parent of three young children, I am particularly worried because I know that the nicotine and tobacco industry is continuing to try to target kids with flavors, and they are fighting hard against any regulation of this. This individual's parents had no idea until they were hospitalized that their child was using e-cigarettes. It is a pernicious addiction. Almost one in five U.S. high school students and around one in 21 middle schoolers were vaping as of 2020. This nicotine addiction via e-cigarettes has been declared an epidemic by both the FDA and the U.S. Surgeon General. When I think about my kids, that means by the time they are reaching middle school, one to two kids in each of their classes may be vaping. And in high school, they are likely to have many peers who are vaping unless we do something to stop this epidemic. Big Tobacco is obviously fighting hard to stop any and all flavor bans because flavors is how they addict new customers and how they attract kids. Addicting a young brain gives them someone who has a hard time quitting and a potential lifelong client. They have been fighting hard to prevent the FDA from banning menthol because that has a particularly nasty addictive potential and has been used in a predatory fashion in Black communities. They fight flavor bans and continue to sue even when communities have spoken. 
For example, here in Oregon, after Washington County commissioners passed a flavor ban to keep their kids safe, Big Tobacco sued to overturn it and put it on the ballot. So the ban was put on hold while voters decided in a referendum. Voters overwhelmingly decided this last spring to keep the flavor ban, and this was challenged again in court. And a judge put the flavor ban on hold again because he said the county didn't yet have a way to enforce it. Of course, that is the entire point of the new tobacco retail licensing program. So big tobacco just keeps finding ways to keep addicting kids and teens. So what can we do? Obviously, it is very important to make these dangerous devices simply unavailable. However, it is also very important for parents and other adults to talk to the kids in their lives about how tobacco is trying to hook them. There's a lot of misinformation out there. And fortunately, the American Lung Association is doing a strong push now with the hashtag do the vape talk campaign to help parents talk about vaping with their kids. They even have an entire guide about how to have this kind of talk with your kids. So you can go to talkaboutvaping.org or find the link to the guide in the show notes for this episode or the blog post. I'm going to cover some of the highlights of their information in this episode today and also provide the steps that the ALA advises to have these conversations. First, it is very important to get the facts. Some people think that vaping is just flavored water vapor, but this is not true. It involves inhaling e-juice, which is an aerosol produced by the vape device or the e-cigarette. These aerosols contain a whole host of different chemicals, and the flavors themselves can be very dangerous, such as diacetyl, which can cause severe lung disease. These vape cartridges or pods can be filled with a whole host of other chemicals, including melatonin, THC, CBD, and more. Some try to draw a distinction between e-cigarettes and vaping, arguing that the former is safer. This is just really not true. They are essentially one and the same. You may also hear other slang referring to vaping, such as jeweling, blowing clouds, etc. These devices come in a whole host of forms. Some of them look like tobacco products and e-cigarettes. Others look like USB devices. Some look like pens or highlighters or even chargers. There is a market for things that can be used more covertly or secretly in areas that cigarettes are not allowed. So what should people look for if they think a loved one is using e-cigarettes or vaping? It can be really hard to tell and signs can be missed. E-cigarettes don't leave that telltale smell of tobacco with which we are all familiar. The American Lung Association highlights several symptoms that should prompt a parent or a grown-up or a teacher to ask about whether a child may or may not be vaping. This could include the presence of unfamiliar technology, online purchases or packaging, smelling a faint or sweet or fruity scent. If you see increased irritability, restlessness, or behavioral and mood changes, those can also be signs. The effects of e-cigarettes can lead to increased thirst, nosebleeds, or a desire for more intense flavor, since our taste buds are being degraded by the flavors in the e-cigarettes. E-cigarette use can alter the immune system of the lungs, so if a child is starting to have more frequent episodes of lung infections or pneumonia, that should also be a red flag to consider asking about e-cigarette use. One of the most dangerous parts of vaping is this misconception that it is safe. This is just not true. It is harmful and dangerous. Almost all e-cigarette liquid contains nicotine in it, which is addictive and harmful to children's brain development, and vaping these aerosols have chemicals linked to serious lung disease. They may also even have heavy metals. E-cigarettes deliver high levels of nicotine very quickly. Some of these pods can contain as much nicotine as a pack of cigarettes. Nicotine is the third most addictive substance behind heroin and cocaine. I spend almost every day of my life in the ICU or clinic taking care of someone suffering the bad health effects of a nicotine addiction. Most kids don't know that the chemicals in the e-cigarettes or vape devices are addictive when they first try vaping. Nicotine can harm their developing brains, affecting attention, learning, mood, memory, as well as their impulse control. It can also increase the risk for addiction to other drugs. For example, research shows that teens who have vaped are almost four times as likely to go on to smoke traditional cigarettes. The FDA is also looking into a link between seizures from nicotine overdose and kids caused by vaping. So why is this happening? Why are kids trying it? It is so important for people to understand that this is not something that marks a child as bad or incapable of good decisions. Very wonderful and well-meaning kids vape. Pressure and high stress are some of the main reasons kids cite for starting vaping, and this may even potentially be more true among high achievers. 
As kids learn about how it makes them feel, they can become addicted and use it to cope with stress, anxiety, or social situations. The ALA identifies other reasons kids experiment with e-cigarettes, which can include misinformation, social media influencers, the impact of close family or friends using the devices, interest in marijuana or smoke tricks. There may also be a desire to rebel or exert independence, especially for something they think is not that harmful. The tried and true addictive properties of nicotine have resulted in this epidemic. As I said before, one in five U.S. high school students and one in 21 middle school students are vaping as of 2020, and the trend is growing. The number of middle and high school students using e-cigarettes increased from 2.1 million in 2017 to 5.4 million in 2019, and rates of e-cigarette use in teens are 73% greater than they were four years ago, with 1.3 million more teens vaping. The spike in popularity has been fueled by flavors, enticing products, packaging, misinformation, social media campaigns, and more, all designed to addict teen brains. So how do we talk to our kids about this? We all love our children and the young people in our lives so much, and the stakes can feel so high. It is important to be a calm, safe resource to discuss this very important issue. The ALA has a guide available for adults, parents, and teachers to be able to discuss with children. They recommend the following steps. First, know the facts. There is misinformation everywhere. Two-thirds of teens don't even know that e-cigarettes or vapes have nicotine in them. It is also okay to not feel like an expert. Just expressing your concern and love is one of the best ways to be supportive. Second, they recommend putting yourself in your child's shoes and recognizing the obstacles, pressure, and social environment that they are in. Ask about what pressures they are feeling and express empathy, relate to them, and share your memories of this challenging age. Remind them that you are on their side. Kids can often take fewer risks if they know there is open and good communication to discuss their concerns. Third, the ALA recommends taking an open and calm approach, avoiding judgment and frustration when talking to kids about this. I think we all know that our kids can pick up on our tone and react defensively or tune us out. The ALA emphasizes ensuring that you are having an open conversation and not giving a lecture. It is important to have a relaxed environment to discuss ideas without blame and make sure that the kids don't feel like they are in trouble. It is also important to find the right time and place, making sure it's the right opportunity. Ideally, this could happen after it has come up somewhat naturally, from a cue in the environment, for example. This could happen after passing a vape shop, or being in a corner store where these devices were sold, or potentially before a child goes out with friends. It should be a calm moment that is distraction-free, and using a cue in the environment that helps pick a time to discuss it when it is already top of mind in a non-confrontational way. It is absolutely okay to take time to practice this conversation. It's helpful to know exactly what you'd like to say before you say it. You can take time in front of the mirror or with a partner to run through the points you think are very important. Also try to anticipate how your child might react and anticipate how the conversation might go and practice being prepared to respond. Especially practice how you are going to respond if it turns out your child is using e-cigarettes regularly or has tried them. The ALA provides very specific guidance for while you are in that conversation. It is important to be open with acknowledging the independence of your child. Your kid is likely already making very good decisions every day, and hopefully abstaining from vaping could be one of these. You can thank them for being so responsible in other domains and appeal to their good judgment. It is also important to start with hearing their side of the story, to know what they find appealing or unappealing about vaping, finding out if they're interested in trying it, and asking why. Again, open-ended questions can be very important here rather than yes or no questions. For example, ask something like, how do you feel about vaping? What have you heard about it? A very important thing to remember is that a much higher percentage of kids have actually tried vaping than parents realize. There's a very real possibility that your child has experimented. If they tell you that they have, it's important to thank them for being honest and explain that you are motivated by protecting and caring for them. 
It is super important to remind yourself that your child is the target of big tobacco, and it is important to place any blame on big tobacco and not your child. These same companies who funded and promoted cancer-causing cigarettes that also cause heart attacks and strokes are the same people designing the marketing campaigns behind many vape products like Juul. Emphasize to your kid that you guys are both on the same side against big tobacco. Your child may not know that they are being deliberately targeted by such big companies using flavors to hook kids. Despite how scared you are, try to avoid scare tactics to convince your child not to use e-cigarettes. It is very good to share your concerns, but you can lose a kid's attention with dramatic claims. Equating vaping with other temptations or other illegal drugs may reduce your credibility and a chance of connecting with them. Acknowledge that trying something once may not kill them, but discuss that overall it is harmful to their lungs and brains and is addictive and may have shorter long-term consequences, so gambling with it may not be a choice they want to make. It is important to calmly connect with what they care about and make the concern about vaping personal, explaining how e-cigarettes could prevent them from achieving their future goals. For example, if they are an athlete or a dancer, e-cigarettes could impair their performance. The cognitive effects may be a problem for those who hope for high scholastic achievement and more. The Get the Facts page from the ALA can be helpful for this. Kids and teens also often have limited budgets and may not want to spend their precious allowance or job funds on a new lifelong addiction. After the conversation, it is important to thank your child for listening and being willing to discuss this with you. It is important to end the conversation on a note of trust and let them know that you are open for future conversations about this. It is also important that your child knows that you are happy to help them manage stress and manage peer pressure, acknowledging the stressors they are feeling without minimizing them and trying to ensure that they have healthy outlets for relief. Show that you understand the challenges of peer pressure. You could consider offering to rehearse or role play with your kids social tools to help refuse tobacco products. The University of Michigan provides a resource to help kids handle this peer pressure. You can see a link to that in the show notes. It is also important to acknowledge that this is not a one-time conversation. Make sure to leave that line of communication open and also make sure to stay up to date on this issue. You can sign up for alerts on this topic from the American Lung Association. And finally, make sure to share this information with other parents and peers. Overall, parents and grownups can really make a difference. So what should you be doing? First, do you have a kid in your life who is 10 years of age or older? Go to talkaboutvaping.org to learn how to have the vape talk. Second, read the Get the Facts Guide from the ALA. If you want more details on the specifics of e-cigarettes, listen to the Gambling with Your Lungs episode from Dr. Jeff Gotts from season one. Third, read the ALA's Vaping Conversation Guide and practice having these conversations with kids in your life. Share how important this is with the hashtag DoTheVapeTalk. Fourth, if you want to get involved on the policy side, listen to the A Teen Talks Vaping episode about tobacco retail licensing and ensure there is robust retail licensing in your community. For more on the dangers of flavors in their history, especially among kids and in the Black community, listen to A Heartbreaking Trap and A County versus Big Tobacco. You can learn more about the specifics of dangers of inhaling flavoring agents at airhealthourhealth.org forward slash flavor free. Raise your voice about the importance of flavor bans, tobacco retail licensing, secret shopper enforcement programs, and more. We all pay for the short and long-term health impacts of e-cigarette addiction. With e-cigarettes, as in always, people inhale unhealthy substances from air pollution to tobacco, the most vulnerable are the most targeted. As I mentioned at the top of the podcast, I am hoping to become more involved in education and advocacy this year. For updates, please follow Air Health, Our Health on Facebook and Instagram or subscribe to the blog. That is also where I will announce new podcast episodes, or you can check back on the feed on the first Monday of each month for more episodes. Thank you for joining me in the beginning of this third season of the podcast. If you are new to it, go back to the first two seasons and learn more about the health of the air we breathe, how it affects all of us, and what you can do to advocate in your community for cleaner air. You can also browse the podcasts and the highlights on the Instagram page to see them organized by topic. 
please let me know if you're interested in connecting to help teach others about the importance of breathing healthy air. We're coming to the end of the podcast. For more information about the importance of healthy air, please visit airhealthourhealth.org and follow on Instagram and Facebook. Remember, if you do nothing else, don't light things on fire and breathe them into your lungs. This applies to tobacco, diesel fuel, forests, and more. Thanks for joining me today. I am a full-time physician and not an epidemiologist or public health expert. This podcast is for your education and entertainment, but should not be interpreted as individual medical advice. Please consult with your own healthcare team to determine what is right for your health. Thank you and stay safe.